This is an 18 Maiden Lane production. On today's episode we will be talking about The Matrix, written and directed by the Wachowski sisters, and I Married a Witch, directed by Renee Clare. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, a new podcast uh, with myself, Sophie, and my friend Kim. Hey, how's it going? Um, and Kim has abandoned me. Um, she's gone to France for a couple of months and I'm still in England. And so a way of connecting and keeping in touch with each other um, has always been to watch films um, and talk about them. So that's what we're doing on the podcast. We are getting together every week to talk about films that we've recommended to each other. And this week, Kim, do you want to go first? What film have you recommended to us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the film that I recommended for us to watch this week was The Matrix. Ooh, um, cool. Yeah, so it's uh, it's one I haven't actually seen since I was a teenager. I don't know about you. Have you seen it since you were a teenager? I think the last time I saw it when I it was when I was about seventeen, and I was doing like philosophy, and we had a teacher that was like super into the Matrix because, of course, there's lots of philosophical theories and stuff being played around with. Um, and so I remember watching it a lot in philosophy, which probably wasn't great for my A-levels, but that was probably the last time I remember <laughs> watching it. <laughs> um, so why did you choose to pick it today? What did you want? What was the reason for revisiting this film? Um, so when I watched it originally, obviously uh, it was back. I mean, it came out in like 99 or something. Uh, so I think it was like early 2000s, the last time I watched it, maybe mid uh, a push. Um, mm. So it was before I knew anything about the like trans angle to look through it or like anything about the directors, anything at all. I was just like, oh, this is a cool sci-fi movie. Um, and obviously I didn't study uh, A-levels at all. Like, so I didn't do any of the philosophical side in being taught any of that so I was just purely watching it as a well this is a fun little movie um, <laughs> and it spoke to me obviously back then but I didn't quite realize why I guess um, okay so I was like okay so I want to rewatch it now um, knowing that there's obviously trans stuff in there knowing that you obviously have uh, got some some ideas on the philosophical side, uh, and I just yeah I wanted to watch it as an adult and see see the different. Well, revisiting it recently, I must admit, watching it, I was like, this is such a flawless movie. You know what I'm like. I like to watch a movie and be really fucking picky about it and pick out little oh, details. Oh, you pick. Oh yes, so much. <laughs> <laughs> I like to kind of talk, you know, find something that's a little irritating or a little out of whack or something that's overly camp or something like that. Um, and so that it's something kind of to pick apart and explore. Uh, but there really wasn't anything that I could see that was a hole or a gap in in the film itself. Now, the readings into it, perhaps there are, but the actual storyline and everything, how it was done, was pretty much a flawless film, I think. Oh, I just... I just think it was so, so well written. Yeah. So, like, in depth. They obviously spent so much time developing it. Um, oh, I just, yeah, I think I agree with you. It was just, there was no plot holes. There was no, like, anything, like, that you could fault in the, like, execution of the film, in my opinion. Sure. 
And obviously they developed so many technologies that uh, have greatly influenced um, film when making this uh, particular film. I know that the one where they had all the cameras lined up, so you could get yes. the um, 360 um, kind of, uh, what's the word? You know what I mean? Like uh, move around image of it. I'm not oh, describing yes. it very well. <laughs> the technical term, the 360 move around image. <laughs> exactly. This is why I'm not involved in developing technology. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, like, so obviously it was incre incredibly influential in terms of that. And I think it also influenced the kind of action genre um, a lot as well. You before uh, the Matrix, it was all like Arnold Schwarzenegger um, and uh, Bruce Willis and Steve, uh, Steve what's his name? So, Sylvester Stallone and all of those. It's not action's oh, not my genre. Okay, no, but I think I think I was also Steven Seagal. I was mixing the two up. Oh yeah, uh, Steven. Yeah, not my genre. Okay. Um, but that was like the action hero at, uh, before The Matrix. And I think after The Matrix, you've got a lot more white nerdy men <laughs> as like leading action people. Do you yeah, know what I mean? And also I think that, that like diversity obviously is, is still something that is lacking, uh, especially in like films and especially in action films. But um, it's... If you look at the cast there, for it, 99, like, and there's, like, Morpheus is a black man. Uh, there's lots of women in the cast. Like, Trinity is kick-ass. Yeah. And a badass. Like, she doesn't ask for saving or anything. She's not a damsel in distress. She never goes, oh, what do we do next? I think, yeah, the, the cast itself, there's a huge like diversity of there's quite a few people who are people of color there's quite a few uh people who are uh gender non-conforming or who mm -hmm. uh kind of androgynous perhaps um yeah. there's uh you know this idea also of like how like the nerd can be the hero coming in which yes. are perhaps not necessarily something that was talked about a huge amount before that um not not in major hollywood movies no like so it was kind of exploring um, and giving voices to all these um, different characters that perhaps in other films would not have been quite as diverse as that. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously it wasn't overtly queer um, because no. of, of the time and you wouldn't have gotten finance for a gigantic queer... No like action movie you probably still wouldn't to be honest especially a gigantic trans action movie i can't see you getting funding for that even today yeah i think the interesting thing with the trans uh narrative that's been talked about in the last couple of years um i must admit watching it i can see how there are ways that can be read into uh the storyline that there is kind of a trans narrative there I don't know if that was initially the intention or whether it was uh, an underlying... Uh, you, you, obviously, both the Wachowskis are trans. They came out way yeah. after this was initially um, released. And so there is no doubt in my mind that I'm sure some of their own personal um, kind of experiences are going to have influenced the film. I don't know if it's meant to be overt or not because I think a lot of 
the ways that uh, people say that it could be trans also plays into all of the, the philosophical uh, things that they were commenting on and that they talked about at the time of release. They were commenting on lots of particular philosophical beliefs and theories. So I'm, I'm obviously, uh, I'm not trans. Um, I'm cisgender. I've not uh, personally struggled uh, with uh, any kind of gender identity issues. So my reading into a film, looking at trans stuff, I can see things there, but they might not be as obvious to me as they might be to somebody who has those experiences. Um, but I find, I think it's really interesting how it's only been in the last couple of years that they've spoken um, about... Uh, the trans narrative and I'm sure there's things that were in there intentionally as being trans but I think some of it might be coincidentally as trans maybe they didn't even realize at the time that they were writing about their own experiences their own beliefs in there that was not necessary but th that they hadn't worked out themselves at the time oh, do you know what I mean 100% because I I like I'm not cisgender but i'm still figuring out like my gender um so i look back at things through my like childhood and everything and i'm like oh i can see how this was linked mm. to me not being completely cisgender yeah. um whereas so yeah so i think that like they may be writing it obviously going to be drawing from their own experiences and and their own imagination which would inherently be trans yeah so even if it wasn't intentional it's all there which and i just think it's yeah like for such a mainstream movie to have such like things that you can latch onto, even if it's not necessarily overtly you can see yourself yeah. and see your struggle a little bit in 99 so, was so important yeah like so what what were like the key things that stood out to you in the plot or characters um that you thought were playing with ideas of transness or with gender uh so i mean first of all i have to talk about switch like yeah <laughs> as soon as you see them you're just like well that's a non-binary person like at the very least androgynous yeah it's such a shame that that um they got killed so early on no i think um considering how many more films and animated series and books and all these things that they've um released that have explored different parts of this universe of this um philosophy of of whatever it is that those you know is being said in those i think it's just such a shame that switch died so early on because i always thought that they looked so badass <laughs> right um Oh. And I like Trinity. Don't get me wrong; she's pretty badass. And there's some of the cinematography in this film is stunning. Just like the way that they stand, like uh, the bit on the roof when she uh, shoots the agents, and she's got that stance. And I think there's a helicopter in the background, oh, etc. And it's it's just, just so badass. <laughs> it is such a great image and so bold and uh also clearly she loves a lot of pleather um <laughs> but it's P or pvc or whatever and kind of links a little bit although i haven't seen it from from the images that i've seen um kind of links her a little bit in that aesthetic to bound which was their previous film 
Um, yes, you haven't seen Bound. Oh, that's going to go on the list for sure. <laughs> oh, I know it'll be on the list. Um, and I'm glad it will be at some point because it will force me to finally get off my ass and watch it because I do really want to see it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people say that Bound is their best film. I mean, it is overtly queer, so, you know. Well, that's, that's might be why it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Switch. Um, so the interesting thing is after this film has been, w- was released, I have heard, um, I think it was Lily Wach- Wachowski, um, talking about how they had initially intended for Switch to be female in... So male in the Matrix and and female elsewhere. Female in well, like the real world, basically. In the real world, supposedly. But in the Matrix, yeah, which is very like a trans, which I like. It is, but it's also something that I thought was a flaw if we were reading this purely as a trans narrative, only because the Matrix is meant to be the kind of ignorance is bliss kind of idea it's kind of where you want to be unless you want to be challenged so i didn't know if that really fit into a trans narrative because it's almost suggesting that being the gender you were born in when you have some kind of contention with that it's better to stay in that body than to sacrifice everything and live in a much more harsher reality yeah do you know what i mean that's okay yeah i see i hadn't thought of it like that i was just like oh yeah of course if you're if you're a designed like and you're born in one body but you see yourself in another yeah that's yeah. and i was like and that's oh, yeah, more real to you yeah and then but yeah as soon as you said that i was like oh good point yes but then i suppose so that's the man is as in like the computer like program like the matrix is very much like yeah a very conformative like they said you have to have um like some struggles because if you have a utopia humans just don't survive yeah they can't like we have yeah, to have a they struggle can't of some function sort. that yeah <laughs> don't we because really because <laughs> 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 yeah. um i don't know i just think that's the sort of thing obviously um Although uh, I've only heard Lily Wachowski talking about Switch. I haven't heard Lana Wachowski commenting on it. So I don't know what their opinion of it is. True. But um, I feel like, okay, it's not really canon because it's not in the actual film. But um, if that was something they were thinking and considering and they did want to put in there, then that would be my only thing to say that the trans narrative looking at it purely as having that could be more of an afterthought or not as well thought out than what I think they were initially intentionally perhaps doing, which was more of a uh, philosophical action movie. See, yeah. Whereas, okay, so for for me watching it this time, I I was looking at it like, okay, so even even down to the most simple bit of you have to choose the red or the blue pill. So sure. the blue pill you'll go back to a like society where you're not very happy but everything is quote unquote normal but you take the red pill and you're you're choosing to potentially go through some hard times but you're you'll be living your truth and the truth yeah so it's kind of like the difference between free will and predestination uh the idea that Mm. 
you are able to either have agency in your life and make choices which might be difficult or you could perhaps have the more easy route of following something that's been like set out for you it seems like it would be a tough choice in the sense but also you you've got to take the red pill um but i i mean even just from like a trans point of view of that of make you have to make the decision to live your truth so you know that you're sure you know you're trans but you could technically keep living the way you've been brought up um which is the blue pill yeah it would probably be more damaging to yourself but you might not have to face society exactly um and yeah absolutely you you probably won't be happy and you probably won't be like you you'll be living probably a bit of a lie um which will be damaging you but it's it is at the end of the day a a choice i want to be very careful how i phrase this because i don't want to say that being trans is a choice that's not what i'm saying but it's a choice to come out in any circumstance like whatever queer level you are you get to choose whether you come out and so it is a choice to to continue to live as what society has seen you as and deemed you as and created you as or you can take the red pill and live your truth yeah and also of course like once they take the red pill they are greeted by family by people who are diverse and clearly express themselves in different ways on, on the gender spectrum and uh obviously it's like having your queer family once you take the red pill um, and they all have the what, queerest what they names of... they do well they have their new chosen names yeah which is so queer and i love it <laughs> um, i was like yes think... mouse yes tank <laughs> go for it switch <laughs> i think because like from a philosophy standpoint the idea of the two pills is um i think the idea from the beginning of the uh film is meant to be like Plato's allegory of the cave which I don't know if you're familiar with are you familiar Uh, with it's not ringing any bells when you start talking about it I might be sure sure so it's uh so obviously Plato very famous guy uh I am am familiar with Plato though (laughs) yeah famous philosopher guys uh he had this um allegory of the cave and it was the idea that so it's a story of, of like a guy in, inside a cave. I'm going to be really butchering it. but um, <laughs> And he's looking at the uh, shadows on the walls and that is reality to him. He's interpreting that as reality. But it's only when they... Uh, and they're kind of trapped in that as well. But it's only when they are freed, when they exit the cave, when they make that choice, that they will find real truth. And that is usually through free thought or like exploring um, philosophy. And it's usually through meeting, I think it's meant to be through meeting a philosopher. So that would be Morpheus in this case, who gives him the choice of freedom versus predestination. Are you going to go back into the cave and uh, put up with the kind of ignorance of, of seeing those images and interpreting them as reality? Or are you actually going to face reality um, and free will and... Um, trying to understand a, a deeper concept of what okay. life really is. So it's, I, I haven't actually heard that. I'm not familiar with that at all. But so it's basically like, okay. um, you, we're all raised in like whichever way our in guardians the cave. want to yeah. raise us. And we're told and shown whatever they want. And at some point we have to make the decision 
to become our own people like and have free thought and and think for ourselves and see life the way through our eyes rather than because obviously you're whatever you're told as a child is your truth until you realize like you could be raised on fox news and think that's true yeah well it's, it's about kind of uh looking for a deeper understanding of the world um so therefore embracing philosophy embracing um new kind of uh realms of thought it's been a long time since i did philosophy (laughs) but this is like what i remember of it um and so i guess in the film like neo is in this kind of dreamlike state where he prefers to live um in he's like two got two sides of his life which kind of reads into a trans narrative he prefers the nightlife the nightlife where he has this this alias where he is in more control where he is neo where he is neo um but i guess it's kind of uh, is maybe suggesting that he's he's searching for answers and he hasn't found them yet and it's only through meeting Morpheus um, and choosing to take um, you know uh, to, to, to choose whether he's going to go into stay in the matrix or go into like the real world um, kind of that kind of starts his his journey in do you know what I mean yeah no I a hundred percent and I which I kind of love that his so his like dream world is already split in two yeah like yeah he's not he's he's already um realizing that there's some there's something more or there is something missing in his his life now that reads obviously into a trans narrative it also leads into a philosophical narrative so are you searching for um truth are you searching for a perhaps it could be a religious um or philosophical ideal or just truth in general um, and obviously Neo's like a messianic figure. Obviously he's Christ-like. Um, he's like Krishna. I he's mean, like, he's, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> he's the Ubermensch. He's <laughs> he's the universal archetype. Um, he's part of the collective unconscious. You know, the, the whole thing. You know, he is a Christ-like figure. He's a messianic figure. Um, especially considering, obviously, he is resurrected towards the end of the film. Spoilers. Um <laughs> <laughs> And that comes you, you're meant to say through his belief. <laughs> I know, shush. Um, and obviously his resurrection is because of his, his self-belief, but it's, it's down to belief, which is obviously a key part of um, religions. Which, um, yes, is a key part of religion, but also is a key part of, of queerness. Like, because you're yeah. told that you aren't what you know you are so often. Like, we're, we're fed such a heteronormative message from day one in general we're fed such a heteronormative message yeah there's there's a lack of queer representation throughout media throughout the public throughout everything so we're from day one told here's heteronormative so we have to then believe that we can have a good happy life by being true to ourselves and believe that this we are correct it's not it's not an illness or a sickness which so many people try and say it is like you know like you're uh, like when you're sent to um conversion therapy for example you're told that you're sick and they're trying to get rid of it but you have to yeah. believe that it's actually who you are you're not sick yeah if you're not heteronormative then the only way to be happy is to reject heteronormativity which is in many ways rejecting a lot of what society is putting upon you 
from from your in, in your own existence and you have to embrace who you are and have your own self-belief that who you are is not only okay but is amazing or it, it is, is is acceptable you are free to live your life how you want to and you should not be under the restraints that other people or what the rest of culture is trying to uh, culture is trying to put upon you um, and the only way to do that is to reject heteronormativity that's not to to to, to shit on it <laughs> it's, oh, it God, works no. great it some people of course you know are absolutely that is their way of life and it, it serves them really really well but there are people that it does not serve and the only way to kind of reach any kind of happiness or um kind of content um feelings is to reject that and embrace yourself which yeah, is a fucking and, journey <laughs> and this is the thing the 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 whole point is we are pushing for equal rights not more rights not trying to take away anyone's rights equal rights it's it's the yeah. whole pie thing again you know you you as a heteronormative person not you obviously you're queer as fuck <laughs> <laughs> but have, have the full pie all i want is a pie as well i'm not trying to take your pie me having a pie doesn't take any pie away from you i just want a pie as well why are you trying to take my pie away <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm having for dinner tomorrow then. <laughs> Pie. Uh, no, no, I know tell, what you mean. <laughs> you can tell that I'm the high school dropout, considering you're like, oh yes, and we're going to talk about Plato, and I'm like, Pie! <laughs> well, Plato, plate, put the pie on the plate. <laughs> See? Yeah. It all links. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it is, it's also, it's just about understanding so I think a lot of people, yes, of course, we want like the same legal rights um, as everybody else. But I think a lot of people are also just searching for people to have a better understanding of the complexities of the human experience and that people yeah. have very different experiences from each other. But that doesn't necessarily have to separate people. If people are willing to put the effort in to learn about di people's different ways of life, their different beliefs, who they are. That's not just about gender. That's not just about sexuality. That can be about faith. It can be about all sorts of things. Um, if we just take the time to put the effort in, and we may not get it right all the time, but are clearly trying to make the effort to understand each other better, then everything would be a lot easier. And I think that oh. is a lot of what people... That's certainly what I want from other people. I obviously try to understand others and try to respect them and accept, obviously, well, accepting, who am I to accept? But, you know, um, <laughs> sounds like I'm the be all end all, but do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> accepting always just sounds like, a, exactly. <laughs> I'm just a naughty boy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm British, I've got to make that reference. Um, <laughs> so back to the Matrix. <laughs> this, this happens all the time with us though, Kim. It's just fucking hell. We go off on tangents, all right, guys? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing mm. i do want to bring up which is not on any philosophical level not on any important level whatsoever but mm -hmm. the costume designer for this film was called kim spelt the same as me k-y-m <gasps> and it is scrawled in the elevator when the neo when neo and morpheus are going up to see the oracle if you look behind me okay uh vertically it says kim k-y-m i felt so seen 
Just love oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> You're like, forget about all the gender stuff and all the finding truth. I feel seen in this film. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the elevator, guys. I'm in. They the spelt elevator. it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to rewatch it again now just to <laughs> see that. Why did your parents um, name you like choose that spelling? Do you know? Uh, yes, so my uh, mum used to be really friend, really good friends with this woman who was called Kim Valentine, spelt K-Y-M. I like that it's a bit more gender neutral. Me too, me too. Although K-I-M can be gender neutral as well. Yeah, K-Y-M I, met... seems more male. Or not male, but like more androgynous. See, I've had this discussion. I think that too. And I think that's just my way of like latching onto it more because I was always like, oh god, I hate the name Kim because it always I always used to associate it with like Kimberly. Um, well, I was just about to say like K I M I think more Kimberly K Y M is yeah. just Kim. Where yeah, and whereas my name is not Kimberly, like <laughs> by by birth on my birth cert, no, nope. it's never been. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Anyway, back to the Matrix. <laughs> Oh, we are really going Fucking off on guys. today. Jesus oh, Christ. Geez. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I guess, like, ultimately, the message I got from the film, which I think is pretty overt, is the idea of would you fight for freedom, whether that's uh, freedom to express yourself and live true, truthfully, whether that's enlightenment, whatever you want to read into it. Um, so is it, would you fight for freedom and truth, or would you? is it easier to stay in ignorance and bliss? And you can read into that in so many different ways because it could also be are you choosing to have your own agency or be under the control of others? Are you choosing to be under the control of the government or be your own kind of independent? Um, Are you choosing to stay under maybe perhaps a more kind of capitalist system? Because the the Matrix seemed very capitalist compared to uh, the real world or being on the Nebuchadnezzar. And so are you going to be playing into capitalism more than um, what the truth of existence should be, which is actually having more of an understanding of yourself? So but I think mainly the idea that belief itself in and of itself is powerful and making that choice and believing in yourself to make the right choice was also kind of the way that you can control the world around you. Um, Neo is only able to control, fully control everything once he has self-belief at the end. Um, and he mainly manages to get that self-belief by having others believe in him. Um, but he has to accept it himself. And that's kind of, that 100% could be read into it with a trans narrative. You can only be... Or queer in general. Or queer in general. You can only be, uh, or in, in any sense, any person who might feel... They are either a minority or they might feel disenfranchised in any way. The only way that you can really gain power is to, is to believe in yourself and that will allow you to escape parts of authority or control that is, is keeping you down or is uh, othering you or separating you from um, happiness. Yeah, and I also, I also like that when they gave Neo the choice, it was... It was done in a way like you can just go back and you won't be treated like a bad guy. Here is here is the choice. It's your choice. You can choose to open your eyes and see or you yeah. can choose not to and we won't judge that. I think um, 
the idea of the film is to be open to understanding truth in whatever form it it takes that is the choice that neo makes is that he's willing to open up his mind to realities that he's unaware of to truths that he's unaware of and that and he's willing to learn from other people he's willing to learn yeah which, yeah, yeah, he doesn't I just go think... in after being told that he's the one and, and believe it. He goes in and he doesn't believe it for a long time. And it's through the belief and support of the people around him that he is able to understand things better. And he very easily could have gone in, especially as a cis straight white man, <laughs> being told he's the one. He could have very easily gone in and swung his dick about. In all fairness... We don't technically know what his sexuality is. No, in fairness. <laughs> I mean, you technically, she kisses him. Uh, does she? Does he kiss him, her back? I can't remember. Uh, I think yes. I guess it's the kiss that revives him. Yeah, which then goes into the problematic side of like. Snow, it was very Snow White, wasn't it? Beauty, Snow White, whatever. Yeah. I was right? like, just because it's gender reversed does not mean consent is here. Yes, um, consent is important. It was very folks. problematic <laughs> on that sense. You always no. need consent. I just generally have a problem when people kiss uh, people who are unconscious, uh, which also comes up in the film that we're going to talk about that I recommended. Yes, um, it does. So it's an ongoing trope that's problematic. So any like kind of final wrap up idea, comments, suggestions, thoughts on the Matrix. I I mean, my main takeaway from this time was very much, uh, like, gender-based. And I think it's because I went into it watching it... With that lens. From Yeah. Uh, so, for me, I very much watched it from a point of view as someone who doesn't identify as cis. Um, and... I... Yeah, I just, I just thoroughly enjoyed all of the different like sections of seeing the 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 struggle and the the pain but in the end it's like the the good coming through and i don't mean like the same cheesy trope as like oh you know good triumphs over evil and all of this crap but like just the the different choices in the trans like or just queerness in it um i very much enjoyed um I just, I just, yeah, I just thoroughly enjoyed it, and I just, it's one that I'm gonna definitely rewatch again. And plus, I'm gonna watch the other Matrixes. Before I don't the think new I ever, I don't think I ever saw the other ones. Well, I imagine when you come back in December, we'll probably end up going to see the new one. So, I think it comes out in December, doesn't it? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember, but it's coming out once I'm back in England, anyway. Yeah. So we'll go see so- that. 100% we'll go see it and then we'll probably talk it to death. Then we'll have here. thoughts. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can actually stay on topic, though. <laughs> oh, it's never going to happen. You should know, know this by now. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not. <laughs> uh, what about you? But, Do you have any, any final thoughts, feelings? Yeah, I was definitely glad to revisit it. I hadn't revisited it in such a long time that um, obviously myself being in a very different headspace since back then... Um, and also, um, uh, the world is very different than when it was first released. Um, and so watching it again, obviously, uh, it was nostalgic. There was lots of things where I was like, oh, I remember all of this. And it was just a generally good romp. 
which was good. Uh, but uh, it was interesting. To look, I know you. I knew that you wanted to look at it um, with a, a lens of of kind of a gender identity and transness, and so um, uh, that kind of not forced, but it, it certainly um, influenced. Yeah, influenced the, the, the lens that I was looking at it through um, and made me perhaps pick up on things that I hadn't really considered before. Um, yeah. Certainly not, God knows, not back in 2007 or whatever. So um, <laughs> it was just, it was good to revisit. And, you know, I always love a bit of Keanu, so not going to say no to that. <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> what good. a dream boat. <laughs> <laughs> So coming from um, a film that had amazing, industry-changing special effects to my choice, <laughs> I Married a Witch from 1942, um, which has interesting special effects, to say the least. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was of its time. Um, but, yeah, so that's the film I chose this week. Yeah, so, so okay, talk me through why you chose this film, Soph. <laughs> so... Uh, obviously, when we were recording this, it's in October, so I was still kind of going on Halloween-y, witchy vibes, but you know that I'm not really into horror films, so I was trying to think of an old school film that I like that is witchy or something in vibes, but not a horror, and this is a, a romantic comedy, um, and it's very, like, the plot is not difficult, it is very much, guess what, uh, he married a witch, um, and... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the reason I chose this one in particular is because um, I have a bit of a fascination with Veronica Lake. Um, she was a really interesting actress who uh, really, the height of her career, um, really only lasted between about five to ten years. She ultimately had about a 30-year career. But in terms of like her having meaningful um, and kind of well-renowned um, films, the ones that people talk about now are the ones from um, the kind of early to mid um, 1940s. Um, she became particularly well known for um, film noir, particularly with Alan Ladd. Um, she also did a Preston Sturges film um, called Sullivan's Travel, which is, is really good. It's very meta about the, the film industry, but that's more of a, a comedy. And this is obviously a comedy as well. Um, but she's just a really fascinating character because she just lived like this really interesting, bizarre life. Apparently she was very difficult to get on with. Um, she, uh, her mother said that she had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, but there's nothing actually, uh, um, nothing else that I'm aware of that actually corroborates that. She, um, had issues with alcohol. Um, she learned how to fly a plane. She was married several times. Um, she ended up like not long after being the height of, uh, 1940s pinup, one of the, the big attractions to the screen at that time in, in that kind of war, um, period, um, to working in a bar in New York and nobody knew who she was. She's just like such a fascinating character and I think she's incredibly charming. And so, uh, as well, um, she was very famous for the, um, peekaboo haircut that she had. Um, so if you've ever, if you've seen the, uh, the poster for this you'll notice that she has a like a wisp of her blonde hair that goes over her eye um, and yeah. that was like her trademark 
book and it is something that has Im- basically influenced um she, like still referenced nowadays like she is one of the influences for jessica rabbit she who has the curl over her eye she is mentioned in um one of the characters in la confidential is a veronica lake lookalike um that so she's like for somebody who had such a short impact on cinema she has such a long-lasting legacy i just think she's fascinating and i really like the film (laughs) clearly you think she's fascinating yeah holy shit that was like a wikipedia page that was amazing (laughs) but i think like she's not somebody that is is always like known about she's not a doris day she's not a betty davis she's not um a lucille ball or you know any of these kind of people that you know in Audrey Hepburn people you know from um kind of early cinema I wouldn't say the name Veronica Lake is as well known even though she's influenced culture in such a it's it's kind of like the the influence she had the names that came after her that were influenced by her took over like Jessica Rabbit fucking everyone knows that name exactly and I mean obviously she wasn't as much of a bombshell as Jessica Rabbit but it, the fact that her haircut, her haircut was so influential that she had to actually, lots of people copied it. And um, the, I think it was the government asked her to change her haircut because women had that haircut and were getting into accidents in the factories during war. And so she started pinning her hair up so that other people would do that as well. And it actually ultimately kind of affected her career um, because it was such an iconic look for her. But it was oh. like that... that's that's insane i fucking love that imagine being that influential that your haircut influences a nation of women probably internationally as well i'm sorry we we also know someone else who is that influential with hair and that is shane from the l world (laughs) i was about to say are you gonna fucking mention jane and that spiky little (laughs) 2000s haircut that she's still kind of rocking you know that I tried that t- spiky 2000 haircut that turned into a mullet. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody who like was influenced by her like killed their hair with straighteners. The only <laughs> thing I... Oh, see, this is I think this is another place I went wrong. I didn't straighten my hair, so I ended up with this terrible half-liberty <laughs> spike, half-mullet. It was a look. <laughs> it, it was that. I'm such I a good friend. I, I carried on hanging out with you. <laughs> oh, believe me, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I should. Maybe I should have tried the Veronica Lake look rather than. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. So this is just like a fun little film, um, where it's it's not taking anything too seriously. It's um, it. By the way, it influenced. It was a direct influence on um, Bewitched. It has that kind of campy, um, sitcommy. Right. Oh, have you seen WandaVision? No. Okay, watch it. It's only short. Watch it because that has the same feel. This like uh, campy, okay. bewitched style. It's kind yeah. of referencing those I... 1960s sitcoms. Yes, it is. It directly references like references 1950s, 60s, 80s like sitcoms. It's great. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I was just... a bit worried. I didn't know if you would. <laughs> no, I did. And I I fucking loved the narrative of um, the political influence that media and rich people have. And how that, that yeah, still to definitely. this day 
can change the outcome of a fucking election, even though we're apparently in a democracy. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of um, an undercurrent of the film. Um, but definitely it's uh, commenting on, on the fact that, you know, uh, this well-known politician or well-known man about, you know, town, he uh, clearly comes from a lot of wealth and is expected to marry into an influ- have an influential marriage. And him choosing to not do that affects his election, which is ridiculous well, that it should even come to that. Yes. Also, Choice, she was a little bit of a stalker. She was a um, little bit... Uh, Jennifer. She was a lot of problematic acts, acts. Like, yeah. Her like, just turning up in his bed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I, I think Choice maybe was slightly removed. There was not a huge amount of consent throughout the beginning of the their relationship yes but i would say that it was more it was attention seeking rather than like it wasn't like sexually inappropriate she was in his bed wearing his clothes but she looked fucking hot if you got home (laughs) right flip flip the the gender i know i know if you got home and there was a man wearing your nighty in your bed You'd be I would like, have questions, yes. I mean, I'd phone the police. I wouldn't care about my budding political career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, well, that's a, a lot of comedies uh, certainly didn't... Back then did not... I mean, even nowadays does not uh, really think about uh, consent and stalking. I mean, stalking no. in a lot of uh, romantic comedies is, is seen as being more kind of romantic, which is really problematic. Oh yeah, you're taught to do that. You're taught through romantic films to not give up. Don't take their no as a no. Just keep yeah. trying. Yeah. Stalk them into loving you. Basically. I mean, we were talking before we recorded, randomly I know, about Sleepless in Seattle. And that is a <laughs> film about stalking. Um, I mean, she literally just stands and watches him at one point. Um, I think they're at like a side of a road or something. It's been a while since I watched it. But um, she just stands there and watches him. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck is this? Which, it's so creepy. Like, <laughs> like this is now, now as an adult, I put myself in the shoes of... Because when I was younger, I always put myself in the, the male protagonist's role. That was yeah. just my... This is this is where I, and I like didn't even think about it. I was just like, this is who I am. Whereas now I try and put myself in all of their positions and think about it collectively. Mm. And if I was being stalked, I wouldn't be like, you know what? They've got a cute ass though. Let's go for it. Like, <laughs> really? It's problematic. It's very problematic. <laughs> but I did. I did. I loved. I did think it was kind of ahead of its time in a lot of ways, this film. What, how so? Like, the the strong female political, like, there's the political aspect. It's the woman having all the influence on an entire town. Yeah. And I know, obviously, it had its problems, like, the one black character throughout the entire film was a slave. Um, I don't think he's a slave. I think he's a servant. But yes, he is in a, a, a not very flattering role. Oh, he was a hundred percent a slave. No, it's set in the forties. Yeah, but that was going back through time. Um, I'm talking about the okay. guy who opened the door. 
That's who I was talking about. He was the only black character in it, which is a problematic thing in itself. Yeah, that but I thought that time. was when they were showing... I thought that was when they were going through time to show the witches at different times. Oh, maybe it was. I guess, yeah, probably the modern, because he had that weird lady maid person. Lady maid. <laughs> lady maid. <laughs> um, either way, having one black person in the entire film is problematic, but... Other than that, ahead of its time in the sense of, of having a female like lead take on this political campaign, basically. And yes, they yeah. did it in like a witch way. It was a silly um, way, but yeah, she has power. She has power. She has autom- autonomy. She chose who she wants and she chose what she wants from life. She broke yeah. away from her controlling father. She, you know, yes, it was done in all like a comical witch way, but the only the, thing I would... the underlying story, maybe I thought was potentially slightly ahead of its time. Yeah, I think the only thing I would say is that she kind of gives up being a witch for love, which is a common trope. Unfortunately, that happens. Um, I recently watched uh, Bell Book and Candle, which is um, a Jimmy Stewart Kim Novak film from late 1950s early 1960s i can't remember the date um but she also uh gives up her powers as a witch and once she falls in well, love and don't you have to give up your autonomy seen... as a woman if you well, yeah exactly love. i think <laughs> i do think it's commenting on that giving up your power as an individual for love and it's always a woman in these situations yeah. and it just it seems to be a trope when a woman has supernatural powers that she gives those powers up and i think it is a commentary on, on what women are expected to do which is the same as if a woman uh, knew how to read or if a woman was yeah. educated that was a problem well i think like uh, th- this is one of the only ways that they can make this commentary is is when it's with a woman who has supernatural powers because yeah. of the production code um which yes. was basically controlling um like the moral and ethical um presentations of uh, different people including the roles of women um yep. in in um in movies for a really, really long time, basically up to the 1960s, when I believe it might have been Spartacus um, that actually kind of threw it out the window. Um, so it if took there's a reason to watch that homoerotic romp, then do that. Um, <laughs> that too is problematic, because it's kind of a slave... Home. We're, we're going... Never mind. Never mind. We're not going into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. um, <laughs> But yeah, there's lots of things that are kind of being commented on. Obviously, at the time, uh, perhaps this wasn't done intentionally, but certainly this is, uh, it starts with a witch hunt, um, and this is around a time when there was a literal, well, not a literal witch hunt, they weren't actually hunting witches, but like, in terms of like the uh, like the phrase, a witch hunt of, of kind of gathering up people who are against the grain for example um there was the house on american activities committee that was um trying to control uh the film industry um and squash anything that they thought was um un-american mainly communism and socialism one of the writers was not credited on this dalton trumbo he was not credited for multiple films um because he was blacklisted because of his um communist beliefs um, and he was a writer, one of the writers on this film. And he actually, the first time he then got a credit 
after all of this was actually Spartacus, I think, as well. So, um, but I he love was a little bit of homoeroticism <laughs> and some political like clout behind yeah. him. Like that's but yeah. The idea of the witch hunts, I think, is relevant for what was happening in society at the time. So, although this is a, a frilly little romp, there is certainly um, things that you can read into it about what was going on politically at the time. Um, which is I think that makes the best comedies the best comedies are always the ones that like shine a light on society and you can still laugh at yeah but also like that people are not necessarily going to always see it overtly but might take the message unintentionally and be influenced by that message which of course is what the house on american activities committee was worried about um but the idea that somebody might go to this film and just go oh it's a fluffy little romp and that was fun but they might also come out um with other ideas that are being talked about in subtle ways in the story yeah and yeah and then you can have a discussion about it because people take different things from it there's mm. there's a, a screenwriter at the moment and i i'm as i said terrible with remembering any facts or names (laughs) um so but there's a screenwriter who one of his quotes is trust your audience like if you dumb it down to the point where it's you're just explaining it away it won't create such a discussion it won't create such feeling like if you if you see something in a film and you're like oh that's clever i get that and then they turn to camera and they're like the reason I did that was this. You're like, oh, okay, well, it's not clever anymore. Yeah. I'm done. Whereas if yeah. they trust the audience to take away from it what is being said, and no, not everyone's going to get it because everyone looks at things through their own lens. I think but people that's don't what like creates being, a good discussion. I don't think people like being pandered to or uh, uh, patronized. I think uh, audiences like to feel a sense of. Uh, intellectual superiority of getting the message so it's actually better to be subtle because <laughs> you win in both ways oh 100 percent. if you remember uh when we were kids i mean teenagers when donnie darko came out and how oh, many God, people yeah. felt superior about the different messaging yeah. they'd be like oh did you pick up this from frank the bunny and you're like oh shut up <laughs> yes i picked this up like <laughs> It's... I'm pretentious in my own way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I disagree with your point, so I think you're ridiculous, but I'm going to be pretentious. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, people do enjoy taking away, because you want to see yourself represented. That's the whole point of media. Oh, definitely. The whole point of media is to see yourself. And not, like, I'm not saying just your boring life, but you see yourself, see how you feel, see how... Like, see yourself in different situations type thing. Like, like a choose-your-own-adventure in every film. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Because I fucking love choose-your-own-adventure. I'm sorry. I just... I <laughs> used to love doing those as a kid. Um, but you want to see yourself and you want to take away from each film what you want. Yeah. So the fact that they aren't overtly... I mean, it is pretty overt, but it's not as overt as it could be. Means it's pretty harmless in out. many ways, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people would just see it as being very harmless. Um, but um, it's definitely got... It's got a lot in there, if you are looking for it. Um, yes. So... Um... There, was, there was a hell of a lot of alcoholism in this film as well. 
There was. And <laughs> scan- scandalous that she was only wearing like boots and a fur coat. I mean, it's 1942. Just being carried around. <laughs> I, and the fact that he like went in to save her mm. and then instead of leaving, just found a nice little side room and lay her down on a couch. Oh, I know. I like, and I she's like, like, I'm just going to pretty myself. It, the building's on fire and it's collapsing. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's, 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 but I guess that's kind of funny. It's just like, because that's, it's almost satirizing the, that happened, that's the sort of thing that happens in loads of these um, kind of like 1930s films and stuff. So it's yes. a little bit after that. Um, but it's just, yeah, I think it's always kind of taking the piss a little bit. It's yeah. in a, a little cheeky way. Um, and I thought Frederick March was also really good in it. I don't know if you know Frederick March. He was very big in the 1930s in particular. He did uh, Jekyll and Hyde. He did, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember what other film. He was like a really, he did um, Anna Karenina with Greta Garbo, another queer icon. Um, <laughs> one of, oh, I've got one to get, of your favourites <laughs> I've got to get you to watch some Greta she's a bloody and again such a mystery I love her um, you can tell I like all the mysterious ones <laughs> yes <laughs> the ones with this kind of you know um, interesting kind of legacy um, yeah he did like I thought he was um, really good at being um, like the straight man figuratively yes. and literally um <laughs> Um, to all the kind of the bonkersness that was kind of going on around him. Um, and then ultimately he just succumbed to the insane premises <laughs> that was happening. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he just was like, all right, cool. Let's, so, sure. let's just go with this. If you, I'm in a flying if you can't car. beat him, join him. <laughs> exactly. Sure, I'm in a flying car and then you're going to go back into a tree. Sure. Now you're just a bit of vapour. <laughs> but also when the, when the vapour effects. Just went back into the tree and he just sort of was like cool and turned around and walked away with walked away with her corpse yeah and then kissed her corpse yes well that was the problematic bit yes (laughs) yeah i think it's trying to do the sleeping beauty snow white sort of thing love conquers magic love is stronger than everything yeah can yeah yeah which i get is is that's a narrative since probably the dawn of time at this point like i'm sure dinosaurs were fucking kissing each other when they were dead to try and revive each other back to dinosaurs (laughs) i love dinosaurs (laughs) i do i do have a question that i did raise to my dog at the time but he didn't have an answer for it okay um so so the two witches jennifer and her dad yes a vapor when they come out of the tree yes and they fly on a broom but they can fly yeah. anyway. <laughs> Why? Yes. <laughs> because it's a funny image, okay? <laughs> it looked hilarious. There's a broom in the sky with two bits of puffy vapour sitting on top of it. Okay. Why not? And also... I mean, my main question okay. is where did she get that body from? Did she create it herself or was a dead person in there? Because he gets a well, dead they person. they said they'd cleared it. But yeah, they said they'd cleared it. So she must have created they'd her own body. cleared everyone. But, but no, because then she was like, oh, this is what I look like. So obviously she just stole a dead woman. They, they have to take over someone else's body because he takes over a corpse, um, her yes. dad. Um, yes. And if he's taking over a corpse and he's more powerful than her, then I would have thought she can't create her own body. Yeah. 
But we're not going to ask questions. I love that he was like, not too old, not too young. (laughs) Um, I'm going to ask questions. Okay, I have another question. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, he, the dad, spoiler alert, gets trapped in the bottle of whiskey with a cork on it. Yes. He's a witch. How can they trap him in a bottle of alcohol? Well, they were trapped in a tree. He keeps getting... Well, yes, that's an oak tree. Uh, oak trees have the magical uh, power to keep the spirit in. Maybe it was an oak. As in, that's explained in the movie. Not that's not my belief on oak. It's not trees. law. <laughs> um, I think you'll find it's common knowledge, Sophie, that oak trees contain every, witch spirit. <laughs> every time you go past an oak tree, you'll be like, "Ooh, full of witchcraft here." I see. Um, Chop down a trunk and just be like, Jennifer. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed to be that they could easily get trapped in things. Because <laughs> it happened several times. Um, so and not he... very powerful. No. Um, I think it's just a way to solve the plot. <laughs> to kind of... See, I was wondering whether it was because if he's drunk, he can't remember. Well, I thought also he seems to lose his powers when he's drunk because he can't remember the spells. And if he's in the yes. bottle, he's always drunk. So maybe that's. But why then he can't I was worried out. about it running out because obviously they've. This is years later now. They've had children. But I don't One know of if them is a witch. So, is it that the spirit is just inhaling the spirits and it's not? I don't run think. Out? Yeah, I don't think it's drinking it. I think it's just because she talks about it being bubbly, as if she her spirit is kind of infused with it rather than consuming it true okay okay all right yeah. pothole fixed we've solved the <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well i'm glad you enjoyed it obviously mine was a little lighter than the matrix but that served this episode well because obviously watching something that's more complex and then uh, something a little more light-hearted is 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 a good combination so perfect all right well uh that's uh, that's uh, it for the two films then this week, I guess. I guess so. So we're just going to decide what we're going to watch next week. Okay, yeah. So uh, the film I've chosen for next week is one of my all-time favourites, uh, But I'm a Cheerleader. <laughs> it's going to be such a good film to revisit. <laughs> yes, I haven't seen it in a really long time. <laughs> I know that it's one that you you also love. So. Mm. Oh, definitely. It's a very nostalgic one. It was certainly one that we watched a lot as teenagers, so I'm excited to revisit that. Absolutely. What about you? What have you chosen? I've also chosen one that we watched a lot as teenagers. (laughs) Um, I have chosen uh, Girl Interrupted because I feel like we haven't talked enough about our own mental health, so I feel like we should talk about... Uh, girl interrupted because apparently that's all we talk about um, oh no, this is good because it's like it's like an hour long therapy session for us it's great um, no I really really freaking love this film it was such a seminal film of our teenage years um, I recently reread the book again which I know you read um, when oh, we were younger as it. well and it's just such an iconic film um, it certainly kind of spurred your your love of Uh, Angelina Jolie, uh, which was a huge part of, well, let's face it, not just yours, but collectively all of our (laughs) uh, teenage years, partly from your obsession. Um... (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I was never obsessed. (laughs) 
So I just thought it'd be a fun one um, or an interesting one to look at. Um, also, can I just say, Winona Ryder. Oh, oh, <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that. Our undying love for her. Um, Again, one of my favourite films. So I think yeah, next, <laughs> next week we've got, we've got a good one to do. Should be really good. Excellent. Right. Well, then we will see you next uh, week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for listening to Heavenly Features. Uh, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us. And follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. Excellent. We are also on Letterboxd um, under HF Pod or Heavenly Features Pod. Um, so you should be able to find us on there as well if you want to follow us. Uh, okay, thank you very much and we'll see you next week. Yay! <laughs> <laughs>